It's episode 46 of Aaron and Patricia. My name is Aaron. My name is Patricia. Um, before we start this episode, um, I have some unfortunate announcement news to uh, announce. Uh, Larry King uh, came down with coronavirus uh, a couple of weeks ago. He has sadly passed away at uh, the age of 87. And so um, I just wanted to take a bit of time to remember Larry King because uh, he only wasn't just, you know, a, a serious um, um, broadcaster and uh, was uh, he was also involved in a lot of our nostalgia as well. Uh, for those of you who do not know where, he was actually uh, in the original Ghostbusters movie. And yep. uh, he was also uh, he also interviewed uh, the the cast of Arthur as well, and yes, uh, he, did. Yeah, he, did, he did that too. And uh, also he's uh, basically been involved in media for quite a while. But uh, also he's done some very serious interviews with some politicians. Uh, Bill Clinton definitely was one of them. I think that was during the height of uh, the Monica Lewinsky affair. I think it was. I think mm-hmm. uh, when he was in so, that yeah. And uh, also there was um, he's done various memorable things on CNN, and uh, he had basically been a staple until the ill-fated Piers Morgan uh, era, which uh, came and went very quickly. So just goes to show that uh, there is no way you can replace Larry King. And so, uh, you know, but uh, I just like to say, I think uh, I am looking forward to the fact that uh, Larry King now will be um, uh, in his next uh, interview, will be uh, interviewing uh, God and uh, the um, and everyone up there in uh, in the uh, on the pearly gates of heaven. So uh, <laughs> my uh, yeah, my uh, deepest sympathies go out to all his uh, friends, family and uh, all his um, fans as well. And so uh, sadly, we've lost another big uh, Big broadcaster in journalism, so uh, rest in peace, Larry King, and uh, we'll uh, always remember that colourful background and always remember that uh, colourful personality you brought to us. Absolutely, so, for sure. Yeah. And also, I believe we've also had uh, an, a, another sad passing, I believe. Yes, uh, we did. Uh, so I just got the notification from the Rugrats community not too long ago that uh, Ron Campbell, who was a storyboard artist and an animator who worked on Rugrats, as well as um, the original Yellow Submarine uh, movie, um, which was a movie uh, showcasing really trippy animation and starring the Beatles, even though that they didn't voice as the characters themselves, uh, also um, you know, sadly passed away as well. I just found out about this like literally just a, about a, an hour ago when um, uh, Cheryl Chase, who is the voice of Angelica from Rugrats, uh, posted it on her Facebook and Instagram page. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of wor- well, funny. Actually, I was watching uh, some of the uh, Let's Plays of uh, the Rugrats games on PlayStation. So, oh wow! Um, yeah, that was a re- really weird coincidence that was, uh, was going on. So, so just shows uh, how much of a Sunday I've, I've wasted today. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but um, at least for the next uh, couple of minutes, we're not going to be wasting your time. So um, let's get straight into it. So, um, uh, we're, the uh, first news that's coming up is uh, Joe Biden finally inaugurated as president of the United States. So, um, tell you what, Patricia, as you're the American in uh, this, I'll give you the floor. I mean, like, uh, a new era for America. Yes, a new era for America, indeed. Even though that uh, there have been a lot of things that have been going on that uh, regarding about people not agreeing to it. Uh, we'll go into that uh, a little bit later on in the show. But well, Who cares about yeah, them at this point? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll mention this later. But anyway, so... Uh, we have the inauguration taking place, and we have basically a lot of people uh, tuning in and watching it on TV. And uh, the the first moment that a lot of people saw was uh, just like barely early in the morning, like around 6 a.m., was when Donald Trump decided to go into his helicopter and leave the White House for the very last time. And then we had the inauguration of 
um, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris coming in and uh, the infamous meme that had been spread around of Bernie Sanders sitting with his mask and wearing uh, custom made mittens. And <laughs> there, was, yeah, there, was, there was a good thing about that, actually. He uh, actually took the um, the image of that and actually put it on some T-shirts and some merchandise. And uh, he sold the whole thing out and uh, did it and uh, gave all the proceeds to uh, the uh, a, a children's charity in Vermont. So, yeah, so uh, what a way to, you know, basically take a meme and use it to your advantage. And it's been spread everywhere, so much to the point in which nobody even remembers what happened in the inauguration. They remember mostly about the fact that Bernie Sanders came in and he was sitting down and now they're pu- putting his meme in everything. Anyway, so well, major... you, it, was, it wasn't enough to at least distract my attention from the fact that Lady Gaga was doing some kind of Hunger Games thing. You know? Uh, yeah, was... that was actually pretty interesting. Um but yeah, in addition to um, you know that, uh, Garth Brooks was also over there uh, singing his song. Which you know, Garth Brooks, I don't think he's been relevant in the country music industry since like the '90s, which is kind of interesting that he would show up out of all things. I guess it's better than Kid Rock. Um, and another major standout is the the speech uh, from Amanda Gorman, who is currently, as of you know, this happening in American history, she is the youngest person. To uh, per, um, to uh, state a poet uh, a poem for the inauguration speech. She's like around I think twenty two or something. But um, she was saying about um, we will rebuild, well, reconcile. Well, it, well, it wasn't a speech; it was a poem. And it was and for me like given the fact that uh, some of like you know the 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 Trump circles have basically been making fun of like you know slam poetry and like uh, just like artist, artistic forms in uh, in liberal circles it was literally like poetic justice when you really literally. think about it it was literally poetic <laughs> literally justice, poetic justice. <laughs> So um, yeah, she she wrote a very inspirational poem, and uh, you know, obviously the the mainstream media went wild for it, and uh, now she's got herself some notoriety, and uh, let's see what she does with that, and uh, who knows, we'll, we'll be talking about her again in um, in, in you know uh, throughout the course of the, you know these next uh, uh, episodes of what we're going to do with Aaron and Patricia, who knows? But uh, oh, you know, yeah, in, but in regards to uh, I mean, obviously going back to Bernie, I mean, I think uh, positivity came out of that meme, and uh, everyone's had some fun with it. So um, what do we? I mean, obviously you, Patricia. You would have preferred it to see him being inaugurated rather than yes, Joe absolutely. Biden. <laughs> I would have. I would. Yes, I would because I actually do like Bernie Sanders. In fact, I would have liked to have seen anybody being inaugurated other than him. I would have liked to have seen Andrew Yang be inaugurated and uh, maybe Elizabeth Warren if, if that would have been possible. Well, but, we, might, we might be getting Andrew Yang as mayor of New York from the way the polls are going at the moment. So. Yeah, that, that's true. So I'm, um, you know, hopeful for New York. Yeah, but, I think what, I think what Andrew Yang needs to do. Get me, don't get me wrong. I like Andrew Yang too, and uh, I really hope that he does go for another presidential run in, in the near future but right now I think he needs to build himself some political bank uh, at the moment so I think uh, once he's had this run I think if he, if he wins as mayor of New York City and does a phenomenal job I think obviously doing like probably what is the toughest job in America probably you know r- running New York City you know like it's, mm-hmm. it's, no, it's not one for the hey, faint of hearts for any or anyone who uh you know, uh, is is um, you know af- afraid of uh, you know uh, political animosity that you're going to get in that job. I think if he comes out of that and comes out uh, you know smelling like fresh daisies, I think uh, come 2024, if uh, you know if uh, they decide that Kamala Harris isn't going to be the one to uh, you know lead the Democrats into the future, I mean, uh, could we have him back in the in the fold in uh, regards to another run in 2024 or you know sometime in the future? Who knows? So Who knows? you know, I I could see I can only see positivity in Andrew Yang being uh, you know being mayor of New York at this point. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and also some of the looks of the Republicans' face when they were saying their congratulations to 
uh, Joe and Kamala. And then there was even a few of them who didn't even look straight at them. They were just looking down while they were reading through their papers saying congratulations. And, do, do, they, um, do they even deserve to look him in the eye? When you really no, think about it, no, no, that's no I, absolutely not. The, the Republican Party's in disarray, and uh, they they should they are. I think, I think they were too ashamed to look off the ground. To be quite yeah, frank, I mean, even my parents when they were watching the inauguration were just saying about how they're just a bunch of hypocrites and that you know they'll get the punishment that they'll deserve later on. But well, we'll see about that. I mean, here's the thing about about the Republican Party, and I'm sure we said this last week, and that is that there's going to be absolute chaos in that party. Absolutely. Oh yeah. And so, do you know what the recent news is going to be now? Um, What's that? Donald Trump is not going away. And, oh no, uh, no. We'll we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Well, um, actually, have we got it in our list uh, to talk about? I'm not too sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's basically. Oh yeah, we do have it in our list. Okay, we'll talk about it later on. But uh, I mean, finishing off on this. I mean, um, in regards to the inauguration. Um, here's the thing about. I know. In a couple of years' time, there's going to be people who's going to be saying, "Oh, well, Donald Trump had the uh, more of a, an audience, uh, you know, uh, for his inauguration than Joe Biden did." And it's like, "Well, no shit, there was a pandemic going on at the time, you know, mm-hmm. which uh, the, uh, the the president at that time is probably going to try and clean up." From the looks of it, yeah, and, uh, uh, we we already made that statement before. Yeah, but here's the thing about this: like, um, I don't expect any excitement though, except for what will happen on inauguration day. You know, in regards to like, you know, uh, he's going to be a little nicer to the immigrants, I guess, and uh, he's going to probably m- m- mop up the um, the mess that uh, Donald Trump has left for the United States of America. He's probably going to do all of that in regards to healthcare reform, in regards to anything that's going to be uh, substantive. I think to the working lives of American people, um, don't hold your breath. You know, I think mm. uh, he is. Um, it is going to be a continuation, somewhat, of the uh, of the Obama era, except they're just kind of like thrown into this. Uh, chaotic scene and so unless he's pushed he's gonna probably do something but uh anything that he's not gonna be massively pushed on i don't think he's gonna do of his own volition well we don't know for sure but all i know is is that um he does have a lot of cleanup to do and 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 all the the things that he signed on for in his first day of his um term in office like he tried to sign in back over to the, um, you know, the Paris um, Environmental Party so that they can be able to worry about the, the Paris, environment. The Paris Climate Accord. Now, there you go. The Paris, the Paris Climate Accord. Uh, and there was even a video of the the wall that Trump has been building in Mexico. It exploding. It looks like something straight out of a Michael Bay movie. Well, I mean, given the fact that uh, people can walk through it, I mean, like, would you, would you be surprised if it just kind of blew up on its own? Yeah. Nah, so I, I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me that I always said that. Uh, I'm looking. We even got something that that high. I really thought it was going to be a garden fence. Mm. I really did. I thought it was going to be like, oh yeah, they'll easily get over that. <laughs> and they are as well. <laughs> like uh, there's video footage of like them just walking through it, or just jumping over it, or just uh, you know climbing over it. Like it's it's a what an absolute utter joke that wall is. Absolute yeah, and it's gonna, joke. it's gonna, and it's gonna be gone pretty soon. And I know people have been complaining. Wow, that was a waste of tax money and time for them to build a wall, only for it to be knocked down. But let's be honest. I mean, we kind of knew this was gonna happen eventually. Well, from what I understand, is like they're gonna keep some of it up. So like anything that he's already done already. I mean, obviously that's gonna stay. But in regards to it, like continuing and uh, any any further work that they're gonna do on it, that's that's gone now. You know, so you think uh, they're going to make a big deal of it? Maybe eventually taking it all down, like they did with the Berlin Wall. Um, I don't think so. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, well, why? Why would they why, why waste time doing that? Because you know the uh, the the main problem with uh, immigration in regards to America, people overstaying their visas. 
So like, well, uh, it's, it's not I people. Mean, it's not people walking. It's not people walking through the desert and things like that. Like, it's people. People are getting on planes and uh, actually, you know, landing in airports. You know, and just uh, you know, just overstaying their visas and uh, not you know not going back. So I mean, that that's where the majority of and this has been said by uh, you know Mexican officials themselves as well. Like it's uh, so and uh, the Mexican president's uh, happy that uh, you know Joe Biden's going to treat immigrants better and uh, he's hoping that now it's going to be a situation where people who are currently there are going to have a path to citizenship now. And so uh, yeah, I imagine I, that's going to be a lot of, I think for a lot of people I think it represents the the straight up racism and disregard of, of minorities in America. And it left a major stain for people who actually supported it. So maybe it will be taken down in the future, but I don't, I don't know. know. I, I don't, I don't think you spend the money to be honest. Mm. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure there's more priorities like, you know, when maybe some more millionaires need some more tax breaks. So, uh, yeah, well, hopefully yeah. we'll be able to get some tax breaks because I think I even saw no, 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 no. millionaires um, getting tax breaks. No, not, not us. Like, uh, oh. yeah. yeah. And he goes, you know, keep in mind, like, uh, he uh, he gave a speech to Wall Street where he said nothing was going to change. So, like, yeah. uh, and the one thing that doesn't change is that, you know, the, uh, the those with the broadest shoulders seems to get a, seems to get an easier time from the from the American taxpayer. Oh, of course they do. Of course they do. So. Anyway, but yeah, I, I mean, the inauguration went very well. I'm I'm glad that they uh, there was nothing like remotely violent that happened. No more protesters were coming in and trying to, um, you know, prevent the. Oh God! Did you see? Did happened. you see this? Did you see my tweet about what happened in New York State? Yes, I did. Oh, what a what a sad, sorry state of sight. Yeah. That is. So for those who don't know, there was this one guy who drove forty five minutes all the way to um, the New York State uh, Democratic uh, Party um, headquarters so that he can be able to protest for the name of Trump to uh, you know stop the inauguration from happening. And he was the only one who showed up. And there's this one picture of him standing there with a Trump flag, and it is completely empty. Oh, did you see the woman as well? Like who went to? Uh, he, he thought she was going to the Arizona State Parliament, but ended up at the museum. <laughs> and uh, she basically was waving a flag there and yelling at the uh, at the closed door. Oh wow! Oh wow! Here, here's something as well that kind of gives me hope for America. And uh, I, I know this wasn't like part of our uh, our she, but uh, do you see the recent polls that recently came out and the recent surveys about some of the recent events that have happened? Uh, no, I have not. Okay, so um, Donald Trump now leaves uh, America with a, uh, a an approval rating that's within the twenty percent region. It's it's, yeah, it's I, nearly I, worse than Bush. Yeah, I, I think you did tell me that. I think it was twenty nine percent from the last time I remember. Okay, I, I think maybe maybe I've talked about this in the last week. Podcast. I don't know. Like people shout up if I always keep repeating things on uh, on different episodes. But uh, then there was uh, the other survey that uh, was about the Capitol riots, and uh, it, uh, it shows that only eight percent of Americans actually support the what happened in the riots. Which is 8% too many. Well, it is 8% too many, yeah. But uh, the vast majority of people, I mean, the vast majority of people do not approve of the, uh, the outgoing president, uh, former president, now uh, Trump. And um, only 8% of people actually approve of basically what uh, happened in, in Washington. So, so basically, I mean, yeah. like, uh, this whole trump QAnon phenomena, it, it, it seems to be dying out. From the looks yeah, of it. And, and, uh, here's and, and, the thing about the, this is the thing about this though. I will, I, I'll caveat it with this, and that is that um, it is it will be. Is this looking like it's starting to dim? But it's not going away. There will always be those you know underground channels of people saying that oh you know those uh, these politicians are involved in a pedophile cunt underneath a, a pizza hut somewhere. You know, there's always going to be those people. But in regards yeah. to like this being part of like you know the the, the mainstream 
I mean, like, um, one, it really depends what happens within the Republican Party. And two, um, I think uh, as long as uh, President Biden continues to, uh, you know, do a good job, and this is the thing which uh, I worry about because I don't know if he is going to do a good job or not, but it's too early to tell. But, um, you know, if um, if the Democrats look like they're the party that can, you know, st- steady the ship and uh, be able to govern America, you know, coherently and uh, not make themselves you know targets for the 2022 mid 2022 midterms then as far as um you know in regards to all this uh, craziness that we've that we've seen over the last four years i mean like uh, it could be it could be done you know like uh, and it could be just for the fact that uh, it's just going to be the small section of the republican party that's going to make all this noise and uh, the um, the vast majority of uh, you know sane people are going to basically say look you know we've had enough of this now we had four years of chaos with this president and brought and it brought us nothing but misery let's uh, put it all to bed now and let's move forward yeah and, uh, and it's and it's just kind of ironic of how they tried so hard to side with him saying that we're going to uh, use Donald Trump so that we can be able to make a huge comeback with the Republican Party. Because I, I mentioned this many times on the show, but uh, during the Obama years, the Republicans were at a low point and they're wondering about what are we going to do to get ourselves back? And they would even stoop that low to get somebody who has no political background to make them as their president saying, wow, this guy is a businessman. He can be able to um, you know, take us up into uh, making the Republican Party the defense party once again and oh man did it fall flat on its face i I even shared this um article with you aaron discussing about the inauguration of donald trump from 2017 and how he didn't accomplish a single thing not even close like the reading the in the the the, uh, business insider report on it is just sad like look a reading of everything that he wanted to do and it fell apart so badly like yeah. you, you want me to read some of the stuff that he you, you might as well. Like I mean, so, I got to be honest with you. I've, in regards to like his presidency, I, I've got, I, there's, there's nothing left to say. I mean, in regards to it, like he he was a, he was a failure in regards to uh, being president of the United States. There's uh, not one positive thing that we can point to that uh, he he did. And uh, it was well, you know, he was literally just a guy who made uh, you know um, very uh, you know, angry white people feel good. You know, like, yeah. uh, if, well, if, if anything, and like, uh, and in regards to like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's like going to be like this people saying, oh, well, you know, Cubans voted for him and uh, other, you know, minorities voted for him. It's like, yeah, but not, 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 not a huge amount of, uh, of them did that in regards to that. Yeah. And uh, in regards to that, like, uh, the, the only reason they probably did that is because all of them still have like, you know, a PTSD from, you know, the, uh, from, from uh, Fidel Castro and, uh, you know, the, in Cuba, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, so in regards to, um, you know, um, Donald Trump. He was more about just. Uh, he, he was more about how he made them feel more than about uh, how he basically governed. He was. Uh, he was useless. He was practically he was utterly, utterly useless. And uh, it was his own ego and his own, you know, uh, mental problems that uh, basically, uh, you know, made his own presidency and also other people suffer around with him. So, as far as I'm concerned, like, uh, yeah, go, go, you might as well read out everything. But as far as I'm concerned, I don't need all of that because I know he was a complete and utter failure. In regards yeah. to his presidency, and uh, the, the, the the general election uh, proves this as well, because I didn't think he was going to lose that badly, to be quite honest with you. But now, when you look at the numbers, and now you look at like how how badly it was, like it was in the millions, uh, like uh, how how much he lost, like it was. Uh, I don't care if uh, Donald Trump got seventy million votes. Like uh, there's a, the you know, the small minority of people uh, wanted him to, you know, uh, wanted him to. Uh, remain president after the fact a vast majority of people who did vote for donald trump actually accepted the, that joe biden actually became president 
So. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so let me just read off uh, some of the things that he promised four years ago during his inauguration speech. And while you so, do that, I'll be back in a minute because I'm going to spit out my gum. <laughs> <laughs> okay, while you do that. Okay. At his inauguration, Trump said Americans want great schools for their children, safe neighborhoods for their families, and good jobs for themselves. But he did not accomplish this because, for education-wise, he hired Betsy DeVos. And we already know how much of an absolute horrible person that she was, where she not only didn't improve the public school education, but she reduced funding for the public schools. And she rolled back the guidelines for protecting the LGBTQ uh, community and the minority students. Yeah, you remember that whole saying about uh, there's no such thing as a free lunch to Bernie Sanders when discussing about, hey, we should have people actually pay for their school school lunches. Yeah. And then there's also the neighborhoods where uh, crime has been on a decline since the 90s. But due to Trump taking over, there was a huge spike in homicide. Um, according to the Council of Criminal Justice, homicides have increased 42% last summer in 29 cities compared to the previous summer. And according to the BBC, Republican-controlled cities such as Kentucky uh, and Lexington and Omaha, Nebraska, they increased by 84.6% and 88.9%. And as for jobs, well, <laughs> yeah, you can kiss that whole job thing goodbye, considering that uh, according to the study in November 2019, 44% of Americans were, were working in low-wage jobs with a medium earning of $18,000. And $18,000 doesn't give you anything in terms of paying for rent or bills or groceries or anything that you need to survive. And uh, let's not even get started of how many people lost their jobs because of the coronavirus. So moving on, uh, going over to the next thing that he promised, we will seek friendship and goodwill with nations of the world. We will reinforce old alliances and form new ones. That pretty much just went out the window when he did his America first ideology. So uh, he pulled out of the international agreement, such as the Paris Agreement, like we talked about before, where it helped with the environment. Uh, he uh, pulled out of the, Ir the Iran nuclear deal, and he decided to cut funding with NATO. And then there was also the whole trade war with China. And the friendships that he was able to make alongside with to, quote unquote, uh, seeking friendship and goodwill towards nations and of the world... Uh, he made buddy buddies with people such as King John Un and uh, uh, yeah, let's uh, and and let's not forget about uh, Vladimir Putin from Russia. So yeah, you have two people who are considered to be like the equivalent of dictators in uh, some of the most controlling countries in the world, and um, yeah, that didn't exactly go anywhere because. Um, you know, Kim Jong-un didn't change his mind about his nuclear bomb ambitions. And as for the um, the Iran uh, peace treaty with uh, Tel Aviv and the Palestinians, um, that didn't really go too much of anywhere. And also uh, the fact that the coronavirus had pretty much just went out of control when everywhere around the world were just struck with the fact that he ignored scientific analysis and used some of the most stupidest things to help with the virus so to the point in which he denied it. He would tell people to drink bleach or even take pills that weren't 
proven to cure the virus and ended up with people dying from it. Yeah, and and uh, oh, I'm back by the way, and uh, also don't forget uh, just add uh, some of the uh, foreign stuff. Like uh, don't forget that uh, he's uh, the, the weapons that were sold to Saudi Arabia, which were used to uh, kill uh, you know civilians in Yemen, and uh, yeah, and also uh, the uh, Kim Jong Un actually displaying you know uh, submarine missiles now. So basically, they have their own version of Trident. Which where they can basically you know move nuclear. Uh, they're going to get to the point where they're going to try and build submarines and uh, you know so they can transport their nuclear arsenal where in the, wherever they want in the world. Basically. Yeah, that was going to be the next thing I was going to bring up. Uh, according to Trump, he promised to unite the civilized world against radical Islamic terrorism, which will eradicate completely from the face of the earth. So yeah, that didn't happen. Next one. Uh, well, he, tour- he tried to do it. We're basically saying, "Oh, I'm going to do a Muslim ban," and uh, that basically uh, ended up with him being uh, once again being accused of being a racist. You know, yeah. because uh, so yeah, I mean that was like uh, uh, you know uh, a uh, very uh, uh, fake charm that was probably made out of zirconia. So. Uh, okay, moving on. Uh, through our loyalty to our country, we will rediscover our loyalty to each other. Yeah, considering the fact that half of our entire country is divided with um, completely different ideologies. So, yeah, they fee- according to the Pew uh, study, half of Americans had stopped talking to someone about politics, and 55% of Americans feel at least somewhat uncomfortable talking about Trump that they do not know of. And let us not even get started on how many families and friends that have been broken off because they were Trump supporters. And we even mentioned this last week about um, the Reddit uh, Q&A from Stephen Hazan discussing about, you know, family members who've been lost to QAnon. So let's continue. The next one, whether we be black or brown or white, we all bleed the same red blood of patriots. Now that doesn't even make any sense whatsoever. So, in addition to the Charlottesville protests, where Trump said that those people were fine people when white supremacists went over to Charlottesville and made a large protest regarding about that they were going to take down Robert E. Lee's statue, and then, you know, saying things about white power and Jews will not replace us. And then, of course, there's the Black Lives Matter movement in which a lot of African-Americans were protesting that they would have the same equal white rights and privileges as white people. And then Trump would call them anarchists and thugs while calling white supremacies very fine people. So, yeah. Yeah. So basically, he, uh, he, he had an opportunity to. Uh, yeah. How many opportunities was Donald Trump given to, like, you know, take the right side of history? And he decided just to flush them down the toilet. You know, Every like single a, opportunity, yeah, all of them. Like you know, fighting off a coronavirus. You know, fighting racial injustice, and uh, like these would have been easy gifts for like you know somebody who like were coming in as like a maverick. You know, to come in as like you know someone as a wild card. Come in and say, well, you know, politicians have done this, that, and the other in the past. Let's do this instead. You know, and uh, but uh, he couldn't get past his own ego, and he couldn't get past his own you know uh, right wing uh, uh, you know uh, idiocy. To, you know, f- figure out that uh, he could be something different and be, you know, somebody that he basically talked about for, you know, years and years and generations to come. Instead, he's basically going to be like, uh, you know, a moment in history where everyone's going to look back on it and say, oh, my God, that was terrible. Let's never do this again. 
you know, like exactly. Uh, there, and, and any opportunity of any civil person who has no political um, background, such as Dwayne Johnson and Kanye West wanting to be president. Yeah, you can kiss that goodbye because nobody will treat anybody who has no political background to be president ever again. I would like to think that would be ideal that uh, that would happen. But, uh, you know, like uh, the problem is people can become very short term minded. In, uh, in the world of politics. And so, oh, yeah, you know, they can. Yeah, they can. And so, um, if uh, Dwayne Johnson announced that he would run, I guarantee you, I think uh, they would turn out, oh, well, no, this isn't Donald Trump again. I, I promise you, this is different. You know, like, no. oh, okay, he has no policies or anything like that, but uh, still, you know, like, it's Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, I mean, like, look, we can trust him. You know, even yeah, though, even though, even though, even though he spoke, became, even though he spoke, Arnold, sorry, go on. You go ahead. No, so uh, I was going to finish off because uh, you know, here's the mind, like uh, the Rock was a Republican, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, many many decades ago. So like uh, the idea that he's going to be like some kind of like left wing progressive Democrat, like uh, who's going to be because he was uh, you know caught on a video with uh, you know Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. It's like no, it's just not, it's not going to happen. You know, uh, D- D- Dwayne Johnson uh, will basically end up being only too surprised if ended just being like the same and being like the rest of them. You know, yeah. like um, it would, it would, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Like he was, uh, he, he, as far as I'm from aware, he holds quite conservative views. So I mean, I mean, yeah, he's he's moderated on that a bit because you know Hollywood. But uh, whether he's going to differ away from where he was, you know, a while back ago, I don't know about that. To be honest, yeah, I don't know about that either. And, and don't even get me started on Kanye West. I mean, he his he he is so far beyond gone that even Kim Kardashian decided to get a divorce from him because. His ideologies and loyalty to Trump just absolutely killed it for him. Oh my God, he still wants to run in twenty twenty four as well. That's never going to happen. Well, okay. I mean, like, uh, who knows what he wait? I mean, he probably will end up kind of like you know, probably end up on the ballot maybe on a couple of states, but you know, like he'll just end up being the same shit again. Like you know, he's uh, just going to suck up the Trump supporter votes. You know, and yeah. and, and such precious votes, they're going to be just wasted for something like that. Well, I mean, given the fact that uh, this is the thing about this, because um, apparently there is some talk that uh, Kanye West apparently did, um, you know, by running in some of the states that, uh, you know, Donald Trump was running in. Apparently that did make somewhat of a difference to like some um, local elections, apparently. So um, there'll be I think there'll be a lot of people who be kind of like, oh, if only Kanye had not run in those particular states, he might have. You know, uh, may, you know, who knows what we've been talking about right now. But, uh, um, you know, it's just, it's uh, Kanye West was ended up just kind of like hoovering up all the people who probably would have voted for Trump but couldn't do. And so they ended up voting for Kanye West instead. So mm-hmm. that, that's the effect he probably had on the election. Yeah, possibly. And, and you know, have we not forgotten about people like Jesse Ventura and Arnold Schwarzenegger running for governor and not exactly working out very well? Well, I mean, I mean, Jesse Ventura is understandable because he ran as an independent. So he was kind of like Bernie Sanders. And then the, Demo- sure. then the, the Republicans and the Democrats ganged up on him and got him out of office. So like, uh, so he, he, you know, Jesse Ventura is, uh, understandable. Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. That was a, Schwarzenegger was a, was a terrible, was a terrible reign. I think, yeah. and uh, I'm really surprised that he's still like in like uh, you know uh, tourism information for California, like you know it's just it's. Uh, but mind you, he still has some kind of respectability online, apparently. So uh, yeah, short they, uh, short term, you know, just like you said, short yeah, term. They they remember they remember him for the movies, not for the politics. That's basically yep. where they are. It's so. like you know people remember Michael Jordan for the the basketball, not for the baseball. Yep. Okay, so um, should we move on to the Proud Boy story next? Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, yeah, this just... Um, so the Proud Boys are ditching Donald Trump, which uh, and they're yep. calling him Michelle, which, you know, I could have told you assholes that from, like, day one when he became a thing in politics. 
But nope. Um, apparently now that he's uh, extraordinarily weak because uh, apparently he didn't stick around in the White House, you know, because uh, he wasn't invited, you know, because he lost the election. You yeah. know, apparently now the Proud Boys have ditched him and, uh, you know, no doubt just kind of like, you know, uh, meandering around, uh, you know, the, uh, the the fringes of the right right now. Like, uh, so, I mean, here's the thing about the Proud Boys. I mean, like, uh, they're, uh, they're just, a, you know, um, a group of uh, very weak men from what I can understand, do basically just get together and, uh, you know, just uh, talk about how much they're victims of, uh, you know, of uh, modern society, which, uh, you know, they have to parade around in armor and guns, you know, just to, uh, you know, uh, muster up some kind of like their false sense of masculinity that apparently they somewhat contain. And uh, they also have like, uh, a, you know, a leader who's uh, from a minority background to, uh, you know, to, to repel any chances of them being called racist. So, you know yeah, what? I'm it's, just it's... really upset that people are just complaining that, you know, they, they lost something when they never had it in the first place. Yeah, it's I mean, I feel bad for the people in Chile who are going through fires. I feel bad for the people in Indonesia who went through a severe earthquake and a lot of people are dead. I feel pe I feel bad for people in Guatemala who went through a severe flood, who have now lost their homes and are now being re, um, re um, they're they're now relocating onto other um, South American countries because nothing that they had in terms of their home or their businesses survived. Those people have suffered. So for the for people who saying, "Oh, I'm I'm suffering because modern society hasn't treated me very well because you know I'm I'm you know I I don't believe in uh, minorities taking over." It's like shut up, seriously, yeah. just shut up. They they basically you, you should be thank you, know, the, you should be thankful that you have a home. You should be thankful that your family's still alive. You should be thankful that you have a job because there's millions of people out there in third world countries that don't have that. Well, there's people in America who don't have jobs at the minute. So, like, it, well, there you go. Yeah. So, um, yeah. In regards to the Proud Boys, I mean, like uh, they should just they should just disappear. <laughs> I think uh, it's just it's. Uh, what what is their purpose in 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 all of this now? Like, uh, if anything, they're just making people's lives more miserable. So, as far just, as I'm concerned, just, just, just a major reminder of the ugliness of racism that had, you know, basically become the backbone of our country. Uh, it's since racism it first and stupidity. Like, uh, you know, you what you um, what it makes you a guy because you you walk around in like body armor and you know you hold a rifle and uh, wave an American flag. It's like, dude, that's not that's not what it's. That that, that if that's your only sense of being proud, like you know, you really need to look in the mirror and really think what the hell you're doing with your life, you know. Like uh, just uh, you know, why, why why not take care of your family? You know, why not uh, you know get why not work, train hard to uh, get yourself some good term employment? You know, rather than you know just uh, you know saying, oh hey, I've uh, got enough money for my rifle, which I make at Arby's. You know, like uh, it's just it's, so you know try try and make something of yourself. You know, rather than having to like parade around you know in public, you know, uh, you know, spouting off you know crazy conspiracy theories and uh, you know just upsetting people. It's just it's. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, like, uh, good luck to them because uh, they're not going to be relevant for a good couple of years now because uh, there's going to be a lot of Republicans who are still going to want uh, Donald Trump to be a thing. And uh, now the Proud Boys have now kind of like jumped off that wagon and uh, no doubt a lot of other people are gonna, going to too. So now they're in a smaller minority than they were, you know, before they begin with, you know? Right. So... Um, okay, so in regards to Donald Trump starting his new political party, apparently. So, um, yep. this is going to be the Patriot Party, which is comical because uh, the Patriot Party was originally a quite, you know, a very left wing socialist group in, back in the 1960s who uh, were originally for great, who originally were for gay rights. 
So um, that is yeah. the most ironic thing I've ever heard. Yeah. The fact that he wants to name himself after a 1960s uh, political party who's known for gay rights just beautiful. Yeah, genius. Ten out of ten. Uh, the only th- you know uh, I- I'm with Cal Kalinsky on this one. Like he's all for it, you know, and I am for it too. If he if he wants to start his own political party and uh, you know take the uh, insane people out of the Republican Party and all the insane supporters that uh, normally vote for this party and pretty much hand every single election to the Democrats, then uh, by by all means, go off and do it. You know, so, uh, but uh, don't be too surprised if uh, you find that the uh, the quote-unquote Patriot Party ends up being just kind of like a small group of people in, you know, in, in local elections that uh, barely do anything. If anything, they're going to be like the Green Party. You know, like, yeah, they'll, uh, they'll be like the, they'll be like the the Tea Party party. The Green Party. Yeah, the, the Green Party. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, like, uh, so in regards to the Patriot Party, it's uh, I'm all for it. You know, if uh, if it means that uh, you know it's going to throw the Republican Party into disarray, and I tell you what, actually, that one thing I'm thinking that this might do is that uh, it might make Republicans think twice to uh, not impeach uh, Donald Trump. I don't know. I mean, you, well, you think about it. Like, uh, if they let him run again, and he runs for this other party and not the Republican Party, what are they going to do? You know, like uh, they're they're screwed. Like uh, a lot of the, a lot of people who originally would have probably voted for Republican, but then switched over to Trump. And unless the Republican Party can like uh, bring in somebody who can be, you know, someone who is like Donald Trump or even better than Donald Trump, and uh, can still take on their support, which uh, I highly doubt they can do. You know, it's uh, going to be very, um, very hard for them to uh, to replicate that again back in 2016, especially now that we've seen we've seen what all that chaos has reaped. You know, it's um, um, in regards to the Republicans, they're in trouble if uh, Trump decides to run third party. You know, this will this will hand Kamala Harris 2024, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of parties that are out there that don't even get remotely close to votes libertarians have been trying to run for the longest time and they only get at least maybe one two maybe even three percent of the popular votes okay can, 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 that's understandable isn't it like remember the time when we played the clip of what one of the uh, the libertarian presidential candidates debate and they were debating whether people should have driver's licenses yeah they're, 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 they're lunatics. They are utter morons, and they have no, they are not based in reality. The libert the only way the Libertarian Party is going to go anywhere is that they need to also flush out their crazies, and they need to realize that there is a place for government. And while they continue this idea that uh, you know uh, they you know oh hey who's going to build the roads and uh, you know oh hey you know private industry can just like run this country without any type of centralization whatsoever while they have these morons you know uh, uh, right and center in their organization they will never be taken seriously. No. Well, I, and I feel bad for libertarians because I know a lot of people who are, and they they believe in strong uh, civil liberties, they believe in open immigration, they believe in uh, free trade and free movement, and that sounds great at oh, all. Yeah, li- libertarians, it, yeah, genuine libertarians probably do, but you, know, you ask the Libertarian Party if they can, you know, uh, keep you know if they can keep themselves, you know, uh, straight in regards to. Um, you know their their views and uh, you know keep themselves consistent and uh, say that they can uh, you know r- run the country under their interpretation of libertarian principles. This ain't going to go anywhere. You know? Well, I don't know what to tell you, but yeah, I, I mean we we saw Ross Perot in '90s trying to run an independent party, and he got like 
what I think he got like about eight to nine percent of the popular votes, um, and then eighteen per- percent of the popular votes when he first started, and then nine percent of the popular votes when he tried to do it again, and that literally didn't go anywhere. Oh well, you know the the electoral college screwed him over royally. You know, like yeah. uh, he got millions of votes and got nothing. Nothing. Yeah, it it just goes to show, and uh, you know, um, this is another thing that needs to happen as well. Like, unless there's going to be serious reform of the electoral system, which uh, I don't think is going to happen anytime soon, on at least on a national scale. Like, uh, you know, the Democrats and Republicans are here to stay. You know, uh, for a a very, a very long time, and uh, the only way that uh, you can dislodge, you know, any of these main parties right now, the Republican Party is the one that's in the most disarray, and uh, are the ones that are under threat by Trump. Pretty much. So, yep. like, uh, if anything, I mean, I don't know, like, uh, it ends up being kind of like a pretty scary situation because, you know, uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of hardcore Democrats who are going to be saying, oh, hey, it's going to be wonderful living in, like, in a one-party Democrat state. And it's going to be like, well, for everybody else who kind of, like, wants an alternative to that, it's not going to be happy, happy little sunshine and rainbows for them. Like, you yeah, know, if, if because, anything, I mean, call- what, what, we... We, we know what happens with one-party uh, ruled countries, right? I mean, we'll lean more either towards communism or fascism, and we don't want to have that. Well, I mean, I don't think uh, the Democrats are going to become a fascist party. I don't think that's going to happen at all. But uh, I think, if anything, I think it will just basically give them a a, um, a good sign for them to become more corrupt, if anything. You know, like uh, they will, because, you know, who's going to hold them Who's going to hold them accountable? Like the Republicans? You know, like uh, if, they, if they ended up uh, being, you know, the only game in town, and uh, there's no viable challenger for them. Yeah, like uh, they can easily become either massively incompetent or massively corrupt, you know. And uh, who knows why we'll be then? Just then, we don't yeah, know. Who knows? So there's that. Um, so over to Oregon, and uh, the um, anti-government protesters are still continuing. Which, uh, by by the way, um, it is no surprise to me that uh, this is going to continue because. Um, as far as I'm aware, like uh, the you know ice is still operating. Like ice hasn't gone yeah. away just because we've had like a couple of days of Biden, you know. So uh, uh, so anti-government protesters are still uh, marching around in Oregon's and uh, so it's marched on their, uh, Oregon's Democratic Party headquarters and ice offices and uh, has basically caused some violence and uh, smashed some windows. And uh, yep. it's still going on as well. I've been watching um, you know uh, uh, social media chatter and uh, been watching videos of. Uh, you know, obviously those 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 uh, those taking place, and you know the uh, riot police having to uh, to deal with the situation. But uh, yeah, this is um, the situation in Portland is not going to change because or because we have uh, you know Joe Biden in office, and if anything, like you know Ted Wheeler coming out against Antifa, which I think is probably like the the the, the stupidest thing you could potentially do to inflame the situation. Oh my God, yeah. no, yeah, it's like uh, so um, he's decided that just because uh, yeah, mind you, if if he just walked in and like they all started cheering for him and everything like that, he uh, he he. Would probably like not be doing what he's doing now. Like you know, like uh, he he. Remember when he went to one of those protests and like he was trying to like gain their support and stuff like that, and everyone just booed him out the building because like he was just it was uh, he was seen as like an establishment Democrat, which uh, I think is from what I understand he probably is. So um, you know, as uh, so it doesn't surprise me that uh, he's going to get a lot of hate in his um, in his community because of uh, the uh, the shenanigans that he uh, he pulled you know a couple of weeks ago. And uh, yeah, but uh, here's the thing about this: you know, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and uh, all these um, all, all these left wing groups uh, are going to keep continuing because the job isn't done, and uh, there's still you know um, there's still racial divisions, and there's still uh, you know unfairness, and uh, also you know completely unacceptable things currently going on within ICE. Uh, as uh, as far as far as I can see, so unless you know there's actually real change, 
that's going to take place in that in that organization, then uh, unless it's abolished altogether, you know, then uh, these groups are still going to continue. Like uh, they still have purpose to continue going out there and uh, you know protesting and uh, letting them know that they're still upset about this. Exactly. So, yeah. So wh why does anyone think it's going to change? Because Biden's in charge, you know, and uh, the Democrats have now you know fifty fifty in the Senate and uh, they still have Congress. You know, like uh, <laughs> this is the thing. Unless they do something, these groups th these groups still have reason to protest. So. Yeah, well, I, and it's really stupid for people to be doing these hashtags, hashtag impeach Biden when he was only in office for like less than two days. Well, we, we know who's doing that. And, uh, you know, like in regards to like, I, I, and here's the thing. did you actually see the articles of impeachment that were actually brought against Joe Biden? Yes. Like, they're all about his son. He's not the president. Like it's just it's, uh, none of this is. Uh, and you look compare the articles of impeachment on Biden and compare them to the articles of impeachment against Trump. Like Trump actually did some really bad shit that he really should have been, uh, you know, knocked out of office for. But the Republicans in the Senate decided to buckle and decided that oh no, we're not going to do that because you know Republicans. But um, you know you look at these articles of impeachment and they're utter fantasy. And they are nothing to do with his presidency. Yeah, he may have done some pretty awful stuff when he was uh, when he was vice president, but he will he, that that did not happen right now. The only way that you can impeach a president is if he does some really bad stuff right now. Like that's the reason why you couldn't impeach him for you know, um, you know saying oh I you know impeach Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, so I saying oh I'm you know uh, that that grab him by the pussy you know uh, business you know uh, back in 2008. You couldn't do that because he wasn't the president. If he did some bad stuff that was when he was the president, you get impeached for. Then yeah, they can do it. But none of what these articles uh, are saying right now uh, you can use to justify to impeach President Biden. You just can't. And if you think nope. that you can, you're living in a fantasy world, and you need to get out. Mm, yeah. And, and, and I, I guess because that a lot of people are hoping, you know, to see Biden be removed from office for reasons, that it really brings out the worst in people. Just the fact that in social media, there's so many pictures and so many videos that has been spread around of Trump supporters crying or feeling defeated when they saw the inauguration happen. No, the copium. <laughs> <laughs> the copium compilations. Oh, they're brilliant. But, uh, you know, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, let him cry, let him mope, you know. It's like, it doesn't change the fact that he's president. You know, nope. He's happened now. So, this is the thing, though, like, I think the, the best uh, response that came out of this is that it's actually broken the QAnon bubble. And uh, now all these people thought that, oh, hey, you know, Joe Biden's going to get arrested before, you know, or they're going to do something before he becomes, uh, you know, gets inaugurated as president. And nope, the inauguration just continued as normal. And uh, that basically broke QAnon. You know? Yeah. And, oh, man. Like, oh, the fact that QAnon, a lot of them just felt absolutely betrayed because they thought that they were going to see Joe Biden arrested and Trump back in office. And it, it broke them. It uh, literally oh, broke gee, them. Oh, gee, it's almost like the teenager who's on 4chan who basically wrote some, you know, some awful shit, during, you know, when it, when he was uh, finished uh, masturbating on Pornhub, you know, uh, is actually not a reliable source of information. Gee whiz! Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I, you have to read some of the stuff that they stated. I mean, things like, I just want to throw up. I'm so sick of the disinformation and false hope, and it's done, and we were played. 
that's probably my favorite one. We were played. No, yeah, and- uh, you were played the entire freaking time. Someone has had a good time on your... I mean, by the way, the guy who did that, I hope he, if, he, if he ends up getting arrested or they find out who it is because obviously he's caused so much misery and mayhem, then quite frankly, I'd be all for it. But, uh, I mean, in regards to uh, saying, oh, hey, you know, like, uh, this whole thing was, like, just felt like it was a, a big game that we played on. It's like, yeah, you were played, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's game over for you, you know, and uh, if definitely if you were one of those morons who stormed the Capitol and uh, currently on the run from the law, yeah, it's defo game over for you, you know? It, it, it so. is game over for you. Yeah, so... Okay, um, moving on, because we got, we got really away from that topic. Uh, so the reality of Brexit in Britain is when fish is rotting due to exporters not being able to get them to the European Union. <laughs> you know, like, uh, all of the, well, Brexit is a massive joke at this point. It really is. And uh, unfortunately, the, the punchline, unfortunately, is making a lot of people suffer. And so um, there's a lot of businesses right now who are having to make really tough decisions of saying, you know what, I'm going to lay off all my staff and I'm going to move us over to the European Union to set up my business over there because that's the only way I'm going to be able to make money in the future. And uh, now there's like fish, you know, sitting around rotting in trucks and rotting on ports. And uh, so that as well, they're not even allowed to fish for some stuff at all. Like, uh, there's nope. entire factories, you know, or via uh, fish lines, which are just totally empty. And now it's at the point where they're having to move staff from one place uh, here in here in Britain and move them back over to Calais to in order for them to kind of make lens meat. You know, like, uh, this thing, this whole thing has been a disaster for the fishing industry. And uh, a disaster for a lot of other industries as well that uh, have uh, been, you know, relying on the EU for trade. And uh, a lot of people also uh, in the EU are now looking at the uh, Britain as uh, completely uncompetitive, and uh, also are not going to be able to trade with them as well. Uh, bit, what is it called? The um, there was a, a very uh, famous well, there's a, a famous beer firm at the moment uh, who's like sold uh, you know uh, imported beers online. Like they told told their British customers right now, sorry, we can't sell to you because it's not we we just can't do it. You know, like because of all the paperwork we have to go through, and because of all the uh, all the other stuff that we have to do. You know, like uh, it, you know, a lot of companies now are making the decision of like, okay, are we going to be more profitable inside the uh, the single market, or are we going to be more profitable with this uh, country that's uh, recently broken away and has no idea where it's going and is currently suffering from a massive pandemic right now? And, you know, but business is making the choice, and uh, right now they are not siding with Britain, not by any sense of my. And it's at the point now where the Sunday Times brought out a incredible front page saying our disunited kingdom and uh, basically was putting up all the um uh the arguments that people are currently making right now for uh, Wales becoming an independent country and trading with the EU Scotland uh becoming an independent nation and trading with the EU are currently in talks with them right now for Erasmus for uh, young people in Scotland to still do uh, studying over in the EU and completely uh, ignoring the rest of the UK. And also potentially doing that for Wales, potentially doing that for Northern Ireland as well. Uh, Northern Ireland as well, uh, talking about potentially reuniting with the Republic of Ireland. And, uh, you know, at the point where the Democratic Unionist Party leader, Arlene Foster, is now having to address questions on it now, saying that, oh yeah, well, there's not going to be a referendum on Irish unity. When And when you start hearing uh, opposition starting to talk about that, you know something's going to come over the hill and uh, knock that out of the park. And so the Scottish elections as well, uh, pushing the uh, the Scotland referendum 
um, you know, the second referendum potentially over that too, uh, and pushing that forward as well. Like, you know, the United Kingdom in itself right now, because of Brexit, and because of the absolute chaos it's thrown, a, it's thrown us in, along with the uh, the pandemic, which the government has done an extremely poor job of, 100,000 deaths uh, marked this week. Wow. You know, like, uh, there, there is no faith in, lo- in this United Kingdom right now, and a lot of people are looking for other alternatives. And that might include Scottish independence, it might include a, a United Ireland, it might include Welsh independence, it may even also include the north of England splitting off too. From the south, that's like, um, that's um, that's unbelievable. It, it is unbelievable, and uh, it, these things are being talked about now because this government right now has utterly failed its people in regards to that. Boris Johnson, I think, only has months to survive in regards to being a prime minister, and so if this keeps going and uh, these voices start getting louder, and uh, we're going into elections and the Tories get absolute pastings. Um, out of this right now, that's going to cause chaos within the Conservative government, and I can't see Boris Johnson surviving that. As far as I'm concerned, so who, who who knows where the Conservative? I mean, who cares about the Conservative Party at this point? I think the best thing that could happen to them is them get voted out of office. I think the Tories, I think, have uh, have made an absolute mess of this country in regards to Brexit, in regards to the pandemic. So it's some of the big things that are happening happening in Britain right now, and our government can't do anything about it, or do anything um, you know reasonable about it. You know, like, uh, and can't put uh, a plan together to, you know, vaccinate this country or keep people apart or, you know, can't even keep, keep, keep people out of the country. You know, like, uh, so new variants of COVID could potentially come in. Like, yeah. uh, this whole thing is an absolute mess. And the only way I think that this is going to get sorted out is if the, if Bojo the clown is no longer the the, uh, the main clown in the circus and like, he's kicked out and we end up with someone <laughs> more competent. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Anyway, I want to move away from all this because it's all negative, uh, and we've only got a certain, a certain amount of minutes left in the show. Um, okay, so th- I'm sure we talked about this before. Um, so there is uh, a green light now for the prequel by Warner Brothers for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and it's slated for release in 2023. Yes, it is, and... This ought to be really interesting, considering that um, we we talked about this in the Roald Dahl retrospective. Oh, by the way, thank you, YouTube, for deleting my Will, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory video. Oh, of course they for, did. Yeah, they, of course they did. They said that my stuff was, quote-unquote, spam. Spam for what? It's not the movie itself. It's just a podcast about the movie. But no, they, they thought it was justified that they removed it. So, yeah, thanks, YouTube. Is it so, on Anchor? Yes, it is. Okay, go to Anchor. Everybody yeah, will. go to Anchor and go go watch that. Anyway, so moving on. As I mentioned in that um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory episode, I told you the amount of money that it made in the box office. It made $475 million. And still to this day, it is the highest grossing Roald Dahl adaptation ever made. No other adaptation has come remotely close to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory's money. And with, the, with Roald Dahl's The Witches... Making only twenty six million dollars, uh, thanks to HBO Max, and uh, and the fact that it's the only uh, movie on Rotten Tomatoes that has a very very low rating of in the fifties, and no other uh, Roald Dahl adaptation is that at all. I'm not surprised that Warner Brothers decided to bank in on the Willy Wonka franchise and make it more into it. So, yeah, yeah. So we got a synopsis for this uh, prequel. Um, I mean, well, we know about the uh, the only announcements that we had regarding about more adaptations of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory were the two that were done by Taika Waititi. Uh, there was the animated series that was going to be on Netflix, and then there was going to be one on the Oompa Loompas. 
But this one is actually going to be different. That has absolutely no association with the ones for, um, you know, the ones that Taika Waititi are going to be working on. So from what we understand, and, you know, this stuff is pretty new, so we don't know too much about it, other than the date that is going to be coming out in 2023, is that David Heyman is going to be the producer. And as you guys know, he was the producer of the, uh, the Harry Potter films, and he also directed... Um, uh, various other films and the guy who's directing this movie is paul king and he was the director for the first two paddington movies yeah and the person so, who's writing the film is simon rich who also worked on uh an american pickle which is the uh seth rogan hbo max movie yeah i mean the only thing i can really guess is that uh, maybe they're going to do an origin story i guess uh, maybe. for willy wonka which uh, i think um okay i mean like it'd be interesting to see I mean, well mind you um i'm guessing it's going to be different from uh you know charlie and the chocolate factory which was tim burton's uh, piece and uh, which obviously showed him how he got interested in chocolate in like a very weird uh, in a weird way, but uh, I guess this is going to be uh, a retelling of uh, what we think of uh, Will what Willy Wonka was back in the day. And uh, there is a bit of warning about this because, I mean, here's the thing about this. like People are warning of like, oh, hey, this is like, uh, you know, um, rewriting what, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, it's not Roald Dahl rewriting this. It's like uh, somebody else. But uh, so if anything, like uh, if it's just going to be basically fan fiction, I think at this point, which, uh, you know, I, I will... Except, but, you know, keep this in mind, like, uh, there's, uh, I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle has various variations of, like, what we think yeah, TMNT yeah. actually does. So, you know, um, if they can do that with TMNT, I, you know, they can do various variations of Willy Wonka as far as I'm concerned. I mean, obviously yeah, there's, there's, a there's a difference between the two is that um, Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman are actually alive and they can give their proper consent. Roald Dahl has been dead for 30 years. Yeah, I, I get that, but, uh, I mean, at the same time, like, uh, mind you, even when these guys are long dead, you know, they're still going to be TMNT. <laughs> no, no doubt about that. That's true. Like, yeah, that, that, that's what I mean, like, uh, you know, hey, Stan Lee is now dead, and, you know, but Marvel films are still going to be with us, you know, like, WandaVision's coming out soon. So, like, yeah, uh, yeah it's like the, um, the idea that, uh, you know, just because the author is no longer with us, that, you know, companies can't kind of, like, you know, take the intellectual properties and just run with them. I mean, like, uh, that's, that's what they're going to do. But the, I, I, if they are to go with a Willy Wonka prequel, I mean, uh, first of all, I don't think it's going to be overly offensive. I do, I, at least I, like, I hope it's not going to be, because, uh, you know, if it wants to exist, then quite frankly, let it, because, uh, I mean, I'll make my own judgment call of whether I'm going to see it or not, and definitely you'll know uh, what I think about it when it uh, definitely comes out. But uh, in regards to um, what direction... They should go with it. I mean, obviously, they should tell the story of how Willy Wonka became, you know, obviously the the genius inventor of chocolate, you know, in, in regards to that. And, uh, you know, I, I still think they should do what I proposed, the idea they did, you know, a couple of episodes ago. They should do how Willy Wonka discovered the Umpa Lumpers. And yeah. uh, they, they should uh, do that whole story. I think it'd be kind of cool him going into uh, to Lumperland and, uh, you know, going and, like, uh, fighting all these, uh, you know, all these, uh, you know, awful beasts and uh, then finally discovering the Oompa Lumpers and then him convincing them to come live in his chocolate factory. You know, work in a chocolate factory, see, if you will. I would love to see their interpretation of the Vermicious Canets. Yeah. So, um, it'd be interesting to see where they go with it. And in that regard, I mean, um, I, I think, I, I, I don't know how to feel about the fact that they're going with a prequel, even though there's no written material with it. I mean, Great Glass Elevator would make sense. Wouldn't it? Because there's yeah. already a book on it. So Great Glass Elevator would have made a lot of sense. But, uh, I mean, obviously they decided not to go in that direction. They're going with uh, the prequel. I mean, my only biggest fear is that, I mean, is this going to be Monsters University all over again? 
Well, oh, like God, you know, they, no. they they mess around with the continuity, and uh, you know they uh, just put in like uh, a lot of stuff that you know just didn't need to be added, as far as we're concerned. So, I mean, if they're just going to basically pad it out with uh, stuff that we're just not interested in, then yeah, it's going to be a boring movie, and uh, you know, there's not going to be you know we're not hold a torch to the original Roald Dahl you know material. But I mean, if they decide to do something inventive with it, and they decide to do something you know interesting with it. Uh, and uh, they do something adventurous with it too, because I mean, the Willy Wonka lore, if you will, is more kind of like whimsical and fantasy, and uh, also suspense as well, because you don't know what everything does in the factory, and you didn't know if uh, you know uh, if uh, Charlie Bucket was going to get that golden ticket or not, even though we kind of knew already that he was, you know, like yes, we do. <laughs> that's not that's not much suspense is it in the story, but uh, still, uh, I mean, um, well, I think the, with the prequel, I think they have to kind of set it up in like uh, and use a kind of a different direction with it I think because I think just using whimsical and fantasy I think is uh, I don't know like uh, it, it would go with like the rest of the role sorry the Charlie in the Chocolate Factory universe if you will but I don't know like uh, I, I would since that I've already seen that with Gene Wilder since I've already seen that with uh, Johnny Depp and seeing you know I would like another Willy Wonka to kind of like you know give another spin on the character I'm not exactly. like, I'm, I'm like Heath Ledger types of spin but you know just something oh, that might come at coming well Heath Ledger's Joker was good you know like no, 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 I'm, not, I'm not talking about that I'm talking about I don't want anybody to suffer or get sick by trying to you know portray as a different character oh no no I, no, I no definitely to... definitely not that at all but what I'm saying is, is that I would like a different in, in I guess maybe a um, an, an interpretation of Willy Wonka that we haven't seen before, and oh, I think having what, him in, having him as a like you know before he becomes like the guy in the top hat, I think is a good place to start. I think for giving yes. us another variation of Willy Wonka. Okay, if that's what you meant, I totally agree. And uh, and there's been a lot of people on social media talking about who they would like to see as Willy Wonka. The two most popular choices are either Timothy Chalamet or Tom Holland. But there's been other people who are saying we need to have a female Willy Wonka, and a lot of people have been saying um, How people does that such make as makes sense. What? I don't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's, I mean unless I mean, you're going to do like a female Willy Wonka, and then like have another movie that, like, and that's like another like world of like you know that's just like a you know another you know. Uh, uh, what call it? Uh, you know, you're going to reboot the franchise, and you're going to say, oh hey, the uh, Willy Wonka is a is a female now. Like, uh, unless you're going to do that, then then fine. But, I mean, uh, if you wanted to, like, be part of the continuity of, like, you know, Willy Monker is a guy, you know, like, uh, it's, it's, it's written in the books and it's in the movies, you know, like, uh, so... I mean, Doctor Who has been a, a guy for over but, yeah, but plus Doctor years. But, yeah, Doctor Who is not, like, there's no, like, uh, you know, definitive Doctor Who, if you will. He's always, like, changed appearance, you know, so, like, uh, you can't really compare Willy Wonka to Doctor Who. But, uh, anyway, yeah, so, I mean, uh, here's the thing about this. I'm not opposed to the idea of Willy Wonka being played by a female female actress. I mean, if uh, they want to make Willy Wonka a female and reboot and uh, do, like, a, another interpretation of Willy Wonka in that regard. Actually, I'll tell you what. Actually, maybe that's what I'm talking about, maybe. Maybe that's probably what we need. You know, like, uh, if uh, another interpretation of Willy Wonka is, uh, what if it was uh, what if it was a female? You know? Sure. So, uh, I mean, maybe what that's what we need. A, a, a- yeah, what if it's a person of different color? What if it's a person from a different country that isn't the UK? 
or Germany or wherever that uh, Willy Wonka um, is from. Uh, yeah, I think that, um, you know, if they want to do something different, then sure. I mean, I would like to see that. I mean, they're making Miss Honey African-American in the um, uh, the Matilda musical. So, I mean, if they want to go into that direction, but I think a lot of people are going to think, when they think of Willy Wonka, they think of Gene Wilder. And I think people are going to think about, you know, casting somebody who's going to carry the spirit of Gene Wilder as opposed to Johnny Depp or even trying to be as close to the book. Yeah, so I think that's, well, that's what I'm saying. Seen. Like, if they're going to be hard acts to follow, mind you, like, I don't think anyone wants to follow the Johnny Depp for very. I mean, in my opinion, like, the Johnny Depp, Willy Wonka is probably the weakest, I think, out of the two. So, yes. I mean, like, uh, I mean, Gene Wilder, I actually do like his performance, and uh, I think he did a very good job with it, even though Roald Dahl didn't particularly like it. But, uh, I mean, in regards to this, is the reason why I think we need. A different interpretation because uh, we've seen we've seen like you know the uh, warm and whimsical Willy Wonka in uh, in Gene Wilder, and we've seen kind of like, you know the crazed like you know Michael Jackson esque uh, you know uh, Willy Wonka in uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. What's this Willy Wonka going to give us? You know, like that's uh, going to be a good question, considering that it's a prequel and he doesn't have a chocolate factory. So we need to have him, you know, start from the ground up. What's his family life like? Where did he get his inspiration and love for chocolate? Uh, how did he meet up with the what, what made him know about the Oompa Loompas? So is his yeah, dad think, a uh, maniacal dentist played by Christopher Lee? You know, uh, <laughs> I don't know if they're going to give him that interpretation, but mm-hmm. yeah, at least something, you know, I mean, it, because that there is no backstory of Willy Wonka, I mean, Roald Dahl didn't even think about that because he always saw Charlie as the main character and Willy Wonka was just like a side character that... Charlie went to to the chocolate factory to, you know, hopefully uh, better his family and get a uh, better opportunity. So Charlie was always the main character. Willy Wonka was always just a secondary character, but because Willy Wonka was so wonderfully played by Gene Wilder that he overshadowed everybody else, which we kind of pointed that that, that was one of the problems in Willy Wonka. So now because Willy Wonka is going to get his own side movie where it's going to be focusing on his backstory as opposed to a sequel which is great glass elevator that now people are going to they they already know the character of willy wonka from the movie or if they read the book so i think that they're going to try their very best to either go a completely different direction or do the safe lucrative thing which is try to bring in the um, the whimsiness and the the pure imagination uh performance of gene wilder Mm mm-hmm so um, we'll wait and see what news comes with uh, this uh, by Warner Brothers. And uh, hey, let's uh, see what they got to show us. Yeah, let's see what they got. Okay. Other news. Uh, Nintendo Game Boy is getting its first exclusive game in 31 years since its release. Yes, it is. And I couldn't believe it when I first saw it either. So uh, apparently, from what I understand, it, it was a guy named Dana who did a Kickstarter. And he wanted to release this game that was made exclusively on the Game Boy from scratch. And uh, I'm just going to read off what he says in his Kickstarter campaign. Uh, for those who want to go check it out, uh, it's uh, kickstarter.com slash um, Dana Pook, uh, new cartridge game, The Shapeshifter. So he discusses about that the game called The Shapeshifter is supposed to be a very ambitious fantasy world game where he's making the graphics, the dialogue, the music, and everything using the limitations of the Nintendo Game Boy. And he's only making 100 limited edition units. So 
if you were one of the lucky people who were participating in the Kickstarter, which I think that it's still going on, you st- it still have 53 day- more days to go as of the recording of this podcast. So uh, you still have the opportunity to greenlight, uh, to um, you know, send in your donations if you're interested in getting a copy. So uh, the, the game is about a boy named Elliot, uh, an ordinary person who's going to spend the weekend in the mountains with some friends. All of a sudden, he wakes up. And he finds out that uh, there's an elf alongside with him who asks him for his help. Uh, Save the elf's worlds from the wizard's spell. And the elf gives him magical powers, which is to become any animal that you touch. But remember that the power will fade away at dawn. So, yeah, that's basically what the story is. And there's a lot of sprites and a lot of pictures uh, featuring the, uh, the game. And it looks really good for Game Boy standards. I don't know why the Game Boy in particular, as opposed to like an indie title that is using like the graphics of the Game Boy um, and maybe releasing it on Steam or the PS4 or something like that, very similar to the um, uh, Super Rad Ray Gun. Uh, but yeah, this actually looks really interesting. Yeah, so, I mean, in regards to, like, Game Boy, you know, finally getting a game after uh, 31 years, I mean, like, uh, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest, really, because, um, you know, retro gaming is still a thing. In, and uh, there's, you know, Undertale, obviously, with its, uh, you know, uh, retro-style, you, know, um, you know, feel, has obviously been very popular amongst uh, uh, people. And, uh, you know, just uh, the, the, the retro style, I just think, is, uh, has not gone away. Minecraft is still popular. Amongst young yep. people, so I mean, in regards to uh, you know this uh, finally becoming a thing, it doesn't it doesn't really surprise me all that much. So uh, you know, uh, well, good on to uh, this uh, guy who's doing it. Let's hope you're not going to see some desist less from Nintendo because uh, they <laughs> seem to be in the mood of doing that recently. But, yeah, uh, I, I still yeah. have not forgiven Nintendo for doing that cease and desist of another Metroid 2 remake. Well, that's what they do you know, in regards to protecting their intellectual property. That's what they're going to do. So it's um, and uh, here's the thing about this, like uh, you know, uh, if people are gonna like you know mod their material and uh, you know they're uh, gonna be kind of like messing around in that regard, and uh, Nintendo don't like it. I mean, it's Nintendo's property, and they're gonna have their say on it. So uh, yeah. but, and uh, I know it sucks, but uh, at the end of the day, like uh, you know, it's uh, uh, I think uh, it's uh, it's uh, yeah, I don't agree with it what what they're doing, but uh, at the end of the day, like uh, there's no there's no rule to stop them from putting these seasons as less let you know. Uh, into uh, stop people from doing what they're doing. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. So, uh, best of luck to Dana for his project. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on. Uh, SpongeBob did not air on Nickelodeon on, uh, for the first time in 14 years. Uh, that was two days ago. And instead, they decided to ep- add new episodes of The Loud House and The Cross of Grandes. Yeah. So, it, it's, um, I mean, people are in shock that this happened because. You know, ever since SpongeBob was released in 1999, it has became a major staying power in Nickelodeon. I remember that um, next to um, only a handful of shows that SpongeBob would be taking the reins in terms of views. Like, if you were to look at Nickelodeon's current schedule, it's nothing but SpongeBob episodes with maybe like a handful of other episodes, like maybe from uh, Henry Danger or um, Game Shakers or uh, whatever Nicktoon that is out. Basically, either a Dan Schneider show or Nickelodeon would be reigning in the views. I mean, I remember 2007 where it was nothing but SpongeBob or iCarly, and that was pretty much it. And nowadays, I mean, you have the Loud House and Casa Grande is taking over and it's Pony, uh, which does have a few episodes occasionally, but not airing as much. But yeah, the Casa Grande and the Loud House are becoming major powerhouses in Nickelodeon to the point in which they're doing the Loud House movie. So the fact that SpongeBob hasn't aired on TV whatsoever 
and people are shocked by this. It's like, this is the same thing that happened to Rugrats many years ago in which when, when Rugrats was releasing like over a hundred episodes and they had the spinoff series of all grown up and then they released the last bit of their movies. It's like when, when 2004 came along, Rugrats was done. Like yeah. it, it, they had like nothing to stand on anymore. Yeah. I just, I just realized did we actually talk about the lighthouse movie last week. Um, um, I don't think we did actually. I should tell you actually, yeah, I think we maybe should address that. So, um, yeah, so I saw the announcement uh, two weeks ago, and so you, you see my tweet that I put yes, out. I for did. That? Yeah, so basically, uh, what uh, Jimmy, you know, hey Arnold went through a dangerous jungle to uh, go rescue his parents. Uh, Jimmy Neutron went into outer space to go find aliens to go save uh, their parents, and uh, apparently now the Lighthouse movie in their first epic adventure movie are going to go to Scotland. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, we're so, gonna go to Scotland. Actually, I think actually, did we actually? I think we did because we were talking about whether there was gonna be a time travel aspect to it, didn't we? Yes, we. I, th- I, I think maybe we briefly talked about it, but I don't think we really went that in depth. You know what? We, 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 we're blanked out, people. I mean, we're really sorry. We're just uh, we're, <laughs> the week's taking it taken out on it that much. I think uh, we're just totally blanked out from you know. Mind you, given the fact that we've had Joe Biden for a good couple of week, a couple of days, and it already feels like an eternity that since like uh, you know the inauguration happened, because so much has gone on in these last couple of days. That's probably what it is. Also, maybe I, maybe that's what it is. Maybe and it for, is. And that. for that we apologize. Yeah, but anyway, we if we're going to go over all ground again, I do apologize, everybody. But uh, I mean, I could. Un- uh, this kind of goes to my point of what we're talking about now. That is, I think there's a reason why the Casa Grandes and the Loud House are going to be taking center stage for you know a, a good amount of time until the movie comes out because there's a movie coming out. So it's important that the Loud House and the Casa Grandes uh, get as much exposure as possible because they're going to be the main focus of what is going to be Nickelodeon's next big theatrical th- theatrical feature, which is going oh, to yeah. be them and, going and- to Scotland, apparently. So. Yeah, and, and it correlates so well with the rise and fall of Rugrats, with the rise and fall of SpongeBob, according to some people stating this online, where, you know, when, when the first SpongeBob movie came out, that was when Rugrats in Paris came out like a year prior. And Rug, I mean, no, Rugrats Go Wild. I remember this. Rugrats Go Wild left such a mixed review, mixed results from fans where they were saying, man, Rugrats, I, I think they're just running out of ideas. And then 2004 Rugrats was over and then all grown up was the one that was staying about. And then Rugrats preschool days just killed it. Like that was it. People yeah. were just sick of Rugrats. Mm-hmm. And then we had SpongeBob. So SpongeBob was hugely popular in the ratings and with the, um, with the, the TV episodes being aired constantly all the time. And then they released their third SpongeBob movie and we knew exactly what it was. It was a pilot for the Camp Coral series. And then there was a clip showcase of what Camp Coral was going to be. And people were tearing it to shreds. They were saying, oh man, the, the graphics on this looks like a PlayStation 2 game. And they were saying that, you know, Steven Hillenburg didn't want this or they're crapping all over his legacy. And that's the same thing that happened with Rugrats in which they released their spinoff series where people were just meh over it. They were just sick of it. And now we have The Loud House and they're going to be releasing their first movie. And if this movie turns out to be a major success in the box office, where, where, you know, if it's going to be released on streaming service or in theaters, I don't know. But if it turns out to be a success... SpongeBob's done. Like, well, nobody's- here, here's the thing about this. Like, uh, this could go. I mean, he, we, we've been here before. 
with SpongeBob SquarePants. Like, uh, like how many series have came and went for SpongeBob? You know, saying that oh, this is going to be the next SpongeBob, and then it ends up not being too a many, thing. too many, too many to count. But I mean, in regards to the Loud House and the Casa Grandes, I mean, they have been on there. Here's the thing about this: I think it's a bit unfair to say that the the only reason the Loud House and the Casa Grandes are getting their due now is because SpongeBob SquarePants is becoming terrible in comparison. I don't think that's what's happened here. If you actually look, watch the Loud House, actually watch the Casa Grandes, it, they're actually really good shows. And, uh, like, uh, it's going back to, you know, and we've been saying this for, uh, since the days of Hey Arnold, that, you know, the Slice of Life cartoons are always good shows. Or at least, you know, the ones that kind of relate to that. I mean, the Owl House right now is an exception rather than the rule, because at the end of the day, they do, you know, um, relate in some way to, you know, uh, kids being at school and things like that. So they, they and also uh, dealing with uh, certain certain problems in life. So, I mean, like, uh, in regards to the, uh, the Owl House, I mean, that, that has its own place. But, uh, I mean, in regards to the Loud House, in regards to Casa Grande, it's because these ki people are kids and because they, you know, uh, focus on, like, family values and, like, you know, things that families go through they're relatable and therefore yeah. they're going to be uh, you know and also the characters that are in the show you know like even if you don't like one of them you're going to find at least another character within the Loud House you know amongst this uh, mass amount of characters that you're going to enjoy which is amazing when you really think about it because like uh, can you can you even remember a show which had like you know this all these characters that we could all remember and uh, like Avatar you know, the Last Airbender. Avatar the Last Airbender, exactly. So, um, you know, the, the fact that they can get away with having such a huge cast of characters and make them all memorable, like you know, it's like, and uh, the fact that kids can even remember them all by heart, you know, before mm -hmm. they remember the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, it's <laughs> uh, like uh, it's uh, it's incredible that uh, you know uh, they've managed to put together a really good show with really good writing with really good characters, and uh, now they're building up towards their their big movie. And so yeah. I think give credit where it's due to the Loud House and give credit to the people who are writing the Casa Grandes. They've built the thing that can actually challenge, you know, SpongeBob SquarePants for the, uh, you know, to be, you know, the uh, the Alpha Lion, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, yeah. you know, yeah, don't get me wrong. SpongeBob SquarePants have done some, you know, I think have wrong stepped quite a few times, I think, uh, recently. I mean, definitely with, uh, do you see, uh, you that, that's a Nickelodeon had their first NFL game? And they call yes, it SpongeBob Sports Pants. And uh, yep. yeah, like uh, having SpongeBob do analysis on sports, I don't think is what people had in mind. I think when they did SpongeBob SquarePants, I don't. Yeah, think but so. you you know what the you know what the the crazy thing about it, it worked. People have actually watched it and enjoyed it. And now Nickelodeon are in talks of you know discussing about hey, what other Nicktoons can we put in our in, in sports programs? Um, now let's put I, it into basketball. The, the, let's there, put it there's into a mass, there's a massive problem with this. You know, there, there was a massive incident that happened in that game. Do you know what it was? What's that? Um, the uh, for, you know the um, one of the players uh, went up to uh, the referee while he had a live mic and said, "What the fuck." On a, oh, yeah, on, a right. on a on a TV uh, station uh, de dedicated to you know six to twelve year olds, so yep. there there's going to have to be serious negotiations I think amongst the behaviour of the players, I think in regards to like uh, you know Nickelodeon airing these types of things because you know like uh, I've seen interviews where you know uh, sports uh, people will be interviewed and they'll be going on like on uh, they'll be going on like on uh, you know uh, curse laced rants. On uh, on how they feel like they've been screwed out of the game or something like that. I've seen that before. I mean, what what's Nickelodeon going to do in that situation? 
you know, they'll they'll have a, a serious talk into, you know, if they're even allowed to even air this, considering that, you know, let's be honest, athletes do tend to have filthy mouths if they feel that they were cheated. I can I can see players unions probably, you know, having discussions about this, I think, because I mean, it's like, uh, you know, so let me get this straight. You expect us to basically play a massively physically inducing game. And, uh, you know, be absolutely exhausted and be frustrated and, like, uh, you know, go through the motions of the drama of the game. And uh, then afterwards, we have to basically stay peace, you know, stay within the 6 to 12, you know, demographic PC, you know, like, you know, because we're airing on the same network that airs SpongeBob SquarePants. I, I can see this being an issue. Yeah, especially for for football fans who don't even watch cartoons will be looking at this and saying, what the hell happens? Like, you have, like, slime every time that there's a touchdown and there's like all of these you know cartoon characters featured and people be like i just want to watch football yeah like uh, as far as i'm concerned like uh, there's gonna be there yeah i mean they, they i could probably imagine they're being found backslash as well but here's the thing about this like there's a reason why we don't uh premier league football games on children's television stations you know, like, uh, I, I would invite anyone to watch, uh, but this is before the coronavirus pandemic, everything like that, like, uh, you know, the, the amount of, like, profanity-laced rants, the chanting that would basically go on amongst fans on stadiums, like, I could probably see, here's the thing about this, maybe that's probably the reason why they can get away with it, because, you know, they don't have to worry about, like, thousands of people yelling, you know, uh, past the fucking ball. Uh, like you know, uh, uh, the players when uh, they're you know when when they're sitting around the stadium, they can get away with this probably because you know not everybody's in the stadium, so they don't all have to worry about basically the players on the field behaving each other. But uh, even then, they're going to kick off about it. You know, like uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I just don't see it. I just don't see it having a future. I'm sorry. Uh, well, I mean, the the views were astonishing, and Nickelodeon was in talks of doing this for basketball and baseball. So we'll see. Uh, what I, I, I I don't know about that. I would be generally interested to hear which sports fans would be willing to tune into Nickelodeons in order to watch their team play. Mm-hmm. I I would be interested to see about that. And uh, I'll tell you what, actually, I will actually, as you know, some football fans in like in my personal circles, I would actually ask them if they were given the choice to watch a Premier League game on Sky Sports or Nickelodeon, and uh, well, how, how how would how would they like to watch it? You know, like, uh, will they even even let their kids watch you know watch uh, you know football games on Nickelodeon? I don't know. I mean, so. that's the whole reason why they're doing it in the first place is because they want kids to be into football and they think that SpongeBob would be the easiest way for them to get into well, it. Well, I, I know. You know what? After seeing after saying that now, I only know what's coming. Like, uh, how on earth can you say that kids aren't, uh, you know, mature enough to, uh, you know, watch a football game, yet they're mature enough to know what an impeachment is, you know, uh, on Nick News? Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, I think, uh, I think they've got me there. I think probably. Yeah, so th- th- so they can talk about impeachment and Black Lives Matter, but we need to water down football to the lowest common denominator so that kids can watch it. Okay. Okay. We'll see. Okay, so, uh, but in regards to the Loud House and the Casa Grandes, I feel good for them. You know, I think everyone deserves a pat on the back there. They've uh, come up with something that actually finally has, uh, you know, uh, challenged SpongeBob SquarePants for its uh, place at the top. So. Yeah, and uh, unless SpongeBob is able to, you know, keep keeping the ratings and you know do some episodes that people are not going to be just meh about, or if Camp Coral does really well, then SpongeBob's in trouble. I don't know. Like, uh, do you think? I'm just going to put it out there. Do you think SpongeBob SquarePants is what Mario is to Nintendo now? Yes. 
Yeah, I don't think he's going but, anywhere. But, 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 here, but even, even with Nintendo, with all of its problems, at least they have other franchises to fall back on. They have their Zeldas, they have their Pokemon, they have their Kirbys and their Star Fox and all that kind of stuff. What does, what does Nickelodeon have other than SpongeBob and the Loud House? The Casa Grandes? And besides those three, what do they have? Well, apparently they'll have Rugrats back, because obviously that's being rebooted, isn't it? So uh, yep. that, they'll have that back. And, uh, you know, they still have their old, old content too. So And also Avatar is still on Netflix. So, yeah, so they'll be relying on either uh, a show and its spinoff and their older properties. So, yeah, yeah I think that, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, you could I, I say mean, the same thing about Nintendo. Mind you, mind you, Nintendo's got Animal Crossing, hasn't it? And uh, also it's got mm -hmm. uh, various other newer titles as well. So maybe it's not fair to compare Nintendo to Nickelodeon. But uh, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, let's just see. I mean, who, who knows? I mean, uh, I'm sure Nickelodeon probably have other ideas too. So I guess we'll just have to see how they all play out. So. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, all I know is, is that, uh, you know, the fact that one, even though that one day, it's like, oh, one day is not a big deal for SpongeBob not airing. It's no, it is a big deal. I mean, a time slot for any major cartoon or any show or any movie on a big platform like Nickelodeon is precious. Well, they, I mean, I think, I think the argument will be made is that, you know, like uh, the Loud House movie is coming out soon, so that's the reason why we're giving him the airtime, and that's the reason why SpongeBob SquarePants is taking the back seat. So. Yeah, and, and and this is, uh, and don't forget, they're going to be releasing Camp Coral, so you would think that there'll be more SpongeBob episodes to get them hyped, but not, nobody's excited for Camp Coral. We'll see. Okay, uh, we better move on because we're running out of time, but uh, yeah, so um, James Bond's going to be moved back to October. Yeah. Time, no time to die. And, and how many? And this movie's been delayed so many times. Like you, this you is know supposed why, to be. You know why that is, don't you? Of course I do. You know the the coronavirus. Well, no, 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 not just because of that. Because uh, uh, guess who refused a six hundred million dollar buy for uh, the James Bond movie? Uh, who's that? Netflix. Oh, that. Oh, I. Oh, yeah, that's right. I yeah. So basically, this is the reason why it's being delayed because they 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 do, you know no streaming service wants to fork over the money to basically air it on their streaming service. Yeah, so. it is. It's a pretty steep amount of money, I, I, I do admit. But, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if it tries to be released in theaters, I mean, it's going to be the same thing with Tenant, in which, you know, nobody's going to risk getting their health jeopardized just so they can watch a movie. Yeah, and but I understand. I think what they're doing is, I think, uh, I guarantee, uh, I probably imagine contracts are involved at this point, where it's like someone needs to, basically, this needs to be released in theaters so someone makes some money. I could probably imagine. And if they, if they don't make any money, they just get a check anyway. So, I mean, yeah. like, uh, it seems to me like uh, they're really withholding unless there's, like, going to be, like, a, a serious buyer for this movie. Like, there's, there, in a way, this movie, in some, way, in some way, is kind of up for auction. I mean, like, uh, I wouldn't be too surprised if, like, you know, someone says, oh, I'll pay $600 million for this movie and I'll put it on my streaming service. You know, like... Uh, Hell, I'm trying to think. Who's um? I can't remember who it is who's producing this at the minute. Um, I, I don't remember either. I don't remember either. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, like uh, maybe you know, D you know, Disney Plus people, you know, just uh, just kind of like say, oh, hey, we'll we'll take it. You know, like uh, we'll we'll pay. You know, I could probably imagine Disney want to pay uh, that that stupid amount of money for it and get all the. Okay, uh, I'm looking it up right Disney now. Plus. Um, let's see. MGM is doing oh, yeah, the production. MGM, yeah. Oh, oh man! Now, now I, now I can understand why because MGM are on the verge of bankruptcy. Yeah. So, uh, but mind you, it's uh, if uh, if they continue this up, like uh, they're going to tank anyway, you know, because uh, it doesn't look like it's going to get any better until probably like uh, you know, uh, come September time. Yeah. So. Oh man, and, and and I know for sure that Disney is going to whatever chance they get, they will buy MGM oh, because you know yeah. what I mean. 
they're, they're, you know why, they're, they're, right? They're, 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 the, they're the behemoth that basically, you know, wraps its tentacles around anything that looks weak and looks powerful, but also they could, uh, you know, absorb into their own thing. They're like the Borg, you know, like, uh, it's just, it's uh, they'll, they'll happily absorb MGM into their profile library and uh, happily, you know, uh, you know, James Bond, you know, okay, you know, uh, movies. Uh, if, if that's like, uh, if that happens, like, you know, uh, we're thinking of possibly, you know, for a particular uh, podcast series of doing, like, doing James Bond movies at some point. So, like, you know, if uh, if that happens and uh, MGM becomes a Disney property, and uh, you know, we're Will's with the, you know a Disney Plus account, so, I mean, it's going to become easier for us to do it. You know. Oh like, yeah, but uh, there's also another reason why it's because MGM owns the rights to the Wizard of Oz, the 1939 Judy Garland movie, oh, yeah, and the, the movie Disney that has been sees. one. Disney has been wanting to get a hold of the rights for years. So much to the point in which, if you remember, when they were doing like, um, you know, their own version of the Wizard of Oz, uh, you know, the one with James Franco, th- th- there was a lot of. Um, oh my god, they did a uh, Muppets version of it too. You know, so yeah, like, that's we, how we, desperate they are to like, you know, come with like, you know, trying to get the magic of the Wizard of Oz to, into their into their library. Yeah, and if they purchase MGM, then the Wizard of Oz is theirs for them to do whatever franchise that they want. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, when uh, the buyer comes in, like uh, they'll have like uh, a woman like dressed as the Wicked Witch come in and is like, you know, uh, I've got you now, my pretty. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. God! Like, uh, and, and I feel uh, really Disney bad for Daniel evil. Craig. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, they are. But yeah, at the same time, we're we're reluctantly, you know, talking about their stuff, so we're part of the problem too. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I feel bad for Daniel Craig because, you know, this is the very last James Bond movie he's ever going to be a part of. This is supposed to be his swan song. Well, and the fact I mean, that it's, it's, oh, it's, uh, I mean, in regards to feeling bad for him, I mean, like, uh, it's, uh, it's, just, it's just building up the anticipation, if anything. Like, you know. So. Yeah, but sometimes building anticipation can be a bad thing because you you set your expectations so high, and if it doesn't live up to it, then you feel even more let down. Well, I mean, here's the thing about this. Like, uh, in regards to, like, James Bond, I mean, like, uh, Daniel Craig isn't my favorite Bond. I'll be honest with you about that. I mean, Piers Brosnan, I enjoyed more as Bond than I did with Daniel Craig. You know, like uh, see that, but you know, I'm sure for a lot of people who are into James Bond, they were first introduced to it with Daniel Craig. I know, but uh, but then obviously, then once you, they become, uh, you know, uh, introduced to the James Bond character, then obviously that means, uh, oh hey, there's more James Bond movies. Oh hey, who's this Roger Moore guy? You know, like uh, it's uh, it becomes a situation where you know you get introduced to more James Bond adventures, and so. And then people start to kind of like pick their own favorites, really. So, I mean, in my in my regards to you know my favorites, uh, I've always enjoyed uh, Piers Brosnan's uh, interpretation of the character, and uh, you know, Goldeneye's like well, my, my my favorite James Bond movie. I love Goldeneye, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, in regards to um, you know. Uh, uh, what do we call it? Daniel Craig being Bond. Um, I mean, originally in the newspapers they called him James Bland. So, like, uh, it's, um, I was kind of like, oh, that wasn't a good start. And uh, since then, like, uh, I didn't really enjoy Quantum of Solace all that much. And uh, I didn't really enjoy his other one either. And so it's... Uh, uh, Casino Royale? Uh, Casino Royale, yeah. I didn't really like... I, I just wasn't taken in with Daniel Craig being Bond. I'm sorry. I just wasn't. And mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, in regards to No Time to Die, I mean, like, uh, it's... Uh, I mean, they keep putting it off. But uh, even if it does get released in October, will I actually go out on my way to see it? I don't think so. You know. Well, uh, well, I mean, again, you know, I've never seen a James Bond movie in my entire life. And, yeah. Well, you're about um, to. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm about to. So I'm actually curious as to, you know, how things are going to, you know, kick off with um, James Bond. And we'll see what, you know, where No Time to Die lies in with uh, all the other stuff that Daniel Craig's done. You know, before we see the, I don't know, maybe we should introduce the GoldenEye first. Maybe. Maybe we should watch that. Like, we watch my, my favorite James Bond movie, and then after that, you can probably, like, you know, we'll go through the rest of them, maybe. 
So yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, I know that you know Sean Connery was the first James Bond, and then it went over to uh, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, George Lazenby, and then eventually Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig. So there's a lot of James Bond. I know that. So mm -hmm. cool. Uh, we'll just yeah, we'll just see. Yeah. Uh, other news, uh, Netflix has published the distribution rights for Phil Lord and Chris Miller's newest animated film, Connected, renaming it as uh, the uh, original title, The Mitchells vs. The Machines. So um, this is going to be the 3D animated movie that uh, is uh, basically uh, going to hopefully be a better version of RV. I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm hoping so, considering that uh, we knew about Lord and Miller. I mean, we know that they've done some amazing stuff over the past few years. I mean, Lord and Miller, you know, they were done, uh, you know, Cloud with a Chance of Meatballs, and uh, they created Clone High. They did um, uh, Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse, the Lego movie. So we know that their name is, like, top in the line when it comes to, like, great animated films. And so now they're doing uh, this movie, Connected. And, uh, you know, it's basically about a guy who wants to take a family trip with his family um no he wants to take a rv trip with his family because he feels that they're too in line with technology and then there's a bunch of robots that take over and i thought that the the plot was interesting at first because it's like oh you know uh we're gonna have a father trying to reconnect with his family because he feels that technology so to overtaking them and so we're gonna have this whole anti-technology message and then the whole robots thing kind of like threw me off but you know what i can be proven wrong and so um this movie was delayed this movie was originally supposed to come out in 2020 but due to the coronavirus that didn't happen and now um there was even talks that it was going to be delayed again and then finally netflix was saying no we'll, we'll distribute the movie for you but we're going to change it to the mitchells against the machines because there's already a t uh, a netflix series called connected on netflix so they didn't want to confuse the two so mm. um yeah, that, that's the reason why. I don't know. Like, I, I know I keep bringing up RV every time we talk about this movie, but I just, I just get these vibes from it. That's the only thing. And, uh, you know, like in regards to like, uh, you know, um, I mean, the, the, the only reason that it came somewhat to my attention is because uh, people were like uh, raving because apparently one of the female characters is a lesbian in the, uh, in, in the family. So, uh, I mean, that was oh, uh, the, really? the, the LGBTQ uh, people I follow on Twitter was obviously making a, a big deal of it. But uh, um, in regards to, in regards to like, uh, this type of movie, I mean, I kind of think this has been done already because Robin Williams obviously did this movie and uh, it was poorly received and even won a Golden Raspberry. So it's, uh, this type of setup doesn't have a good, you know, you know, um, you know, this doesn't have a good, you know, a good sign to it. As far as I'm well, concerned. Well, I mean, so. you know what? I mean, Lord and Miller has yet to do any uh, film that I would consider to be awful. And yes, the, the plot does sound pretty generic. And once again, it's another anti-technology message about, oh, technology bad. It's overtaking your life. We're going to stay away from it. Even though the technology has been doing very good in helping our society with education and church services and uh, connecting with family, going to your job. So this whole thing about anti-technology just Really pisses me off, especially since I'm a communications major over at my school. So I'm I'm sick of that message. And uh, and I, I I mean I've you know generic plots can be done well if their execution is good. I mean a lot of people say that Chris Sanders is a good example of somebody who has taken generic plots and making them very unique and memorable. He did the he did Lilo and Stitch and he did the How to Train a Dragon movies. So he's able to take ideas that have been done already, but done it in a way that is done really fresh. And I'm hoping that Lord and Miller does the same thing in which they're able to take this concept, which has been done in RV and various other movies, and do something really interesting with it. So the fact that Netflix trusts Lord and Miller 
especially since, you know, their names are synonymous with like, you know, some of the best and most influential animated movies that came out in the 2010s. Uh, especially with Lego Movie and Enter the Spider-Verse. I mean, the movie that nobody expected to win an Oscar for Best Animated Film. You, you, yeah, they they have clout. And I think that Netflix has taken advantage of it. Yeah. I mean, in regards to, like, the anti-technology message, I mean, like, uh, yeah, I kind of agree that uh, they, sh- they should really not do Because, you know, like, uh, without technology, like, uh, what would people do with their cats? You know, like, play <laughs> with them? <laughs> I know what a concept. I mean, I, I I literally have to throw the ball so that it can chase it, and now I can see it run. Oh, I don't want to do that. You mean I can't like uh, you know just uh, put my camera at it and get millions of views on uh, YouTube for it? Like you know, like uh, it's uh, well, I actually have to do I, something with it now. How am I supposed to learn about this? Reading a book? <laughs> oh, oh my, my goodness! Yeah. Okay. okay. We're, we're sounding really old right now. Yeah. Well, no, we're not sounding old. Like you know, we're, we're supporting technology. So like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess that's true. We're not. We're not. Um, you know, old yeah. men yelling at cloud. If anything, so, we're making we're making other people feel older. If anything, <laughs> about it. So that's yeah. True. Okay. And finally, Pixar is releasing a slew of new animation shots uh, called Pixar Popcorn on Disney Plus, featuring characters from Toy Story, Soul, The Incredibles, and Cars. Yep, that's true. So yeah, because uh, Pixar has been doing really well with their shorts, uh, they decided to uh, do some more shorts, and it's going to be released exclusively on Disney Plus. So uh, currently, from what I understand, there's 10 mini shorts that have been released. And... um, Currently, as for what we have here, uh, there's, uh, let's see if I can pull up the list really quickly. So according to what it says on the description, a collection of 10 mini shorts featuring the characters uh, from Pixar, um, an all new bite-sized stories created by Pixar Animation Studios, talented animators. All the episodes are currently available on Disney+. Plus. So uh, I oh, see wait, so they're from- uh, well, So they're available now, are they? Yes, I think that, yes, they, they've been available uh, two days ago. Okay, then let's... Uh- Okay, Disney Popcorn, Popcorn. Let's see what they've got here. So, um, the first one is uh, To Fitness and Beyond. So that's uh, uh, that is the uh, the Toy Story short, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, there is. So that's the Toy Story one. Uh, so the Cars one is on Parallel Parking. Um, the third one is Dory Finding. Uh, mm-hmm. the, so there's a door. There's a oh, there's a Finding Nemo one in here. Uh, Soul of the City is. Uh, I think that's uh, one of. The, I think that's the Soul one. And, yep, that's uh, the Soul one. Uh, fluffy stuff and. Uh, and uh, oh, sorry, I just skipped it. What, what is it called? Uh, yeah, it's fluffy, stuff fluffy and, uh, stuff uh, with, with uh, Ducky and Bunny. But yeah, so that's uh, that's a t- that's a Toy Story one. Uh, there's a uh, chore. So chore day is uh, the Incredibles way. I should tell you what. I think after we're done with this, I actually want to watch them all. <laughs> And uh, see what we yeah, think of Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely need to do a, a Pix Minis on all these shorts. Oh, yeah, we will have to. So, I'll tell you what, like, uh, I mean, after this uh, podcast, baby, you know, like, uh, I've, uh, I've got a couple of minutes. So, uh, do you want to sit down and uh, we'll uh, see what they've got and talk about well, it? Well, I actually have to do another interview. Oh, as as yeah, you do, here. don't you? Okay, that's, uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, have to, I have to do things. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll get to them eventually, everybody. So Eventually, uh, yeah, yeah but, for uh, sure. Hey, it's a nice... Uh, uh, precursor to uh, what we're going to be doing. So, uh, yeah, cool. Looking forward to it. All right, then. Well, with that being said, then I think we've come to the end of the episode here on the 24th of January of 2021. So, uh, Patricia, once again, thank you very much for being here. Uh, thank you for having me. Okay. And take care, everybody. Have a good week. And uh, we will see you in February for the uh, first uh, episode of Aaron and Patricia taking place in February. So, take care. Oh, actually, no, no, it won't be. Yeah, you know what I just said. Yeah, there's going to be an episode on the 30th and 31st. Yeah. Yeah. So, oops. Oops. Okay. All right, then. Well, let's see you at the end of January for the last uh, episode of uh, Aaron and Patricia at the end of January. So, uh, cool. All right, everybody. Catch you later. Catch you later. Bye-bye.